Last week on the Lord's Grantham Podcast, we talked Season 1, Episode 3 of The Gilded Age. In that episode, uh, Russell was facing bankruptcy as a law that he expected to get passed, didn't get passed, because some people were trying to short his stock. It got real complicated. In the end, George won and made some other guys go broke. One, uh, Mr. Morris, so far as to kill himself. Don't kill yourself. Uh, meanwhile, Marion got proposed to by Mr. Rakes, uh, a well-to-do lawyer, but it doesn't seem like other people will approve of that. Uh, we'll follow up on that and more this week on the Lord's Grantham Podcast. Who let the dogs out? Who, 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 who let the dogs And we're here. The Gilded Age rolls on. Yep. Season one, episode four, A Long Ladder. I don't think I caught the I reference to The Long Ladder in this episode, Dave. Did you? I, I didn't I didn't either. I mean, maybe it's just because it was an hour long. Oh, no. it's <laughs> uh, it's Isn't it what Rake says at the end of the episode? He, he needed a long ladder to see uh, Marion at the... Yeah, something about I mean, the really social cares. ladder. Yeah, so something, something here. Uh, listeners, there will be a separate podcast out this week. It's rare that we do the the double drop, but the down... Rare? I think th- this is the first time in history, I think. I think so. I think so. But the Down Abbey trailer dropped, and it's three minutes long, and it just deserved its own bit of talking, uh, all things considered. Uh since last time, I think we spent twenty minutes on the the single minute teaser, so we got a yeah, lot to and that was there. that was in the pole dark era when we could just sort of push things a week. This is Gilded Age. This is week to week. We can't fall behind. Mm-hmm. No, not at all. We got we got to stay on the ball, stay with it. You know. And speaking of staying on the ball and staying with it, Corey. Yeah. Big piece of news in the Gilded Age. We're we're getting uh, season two, right? Yeah, do. season two. Two, yes, two. That's how you say it. Now, does that mean uh, all these Broadway actors are going to have to? I think they're just going to make gonna... sure their calendars are clear. Yeah, they're just going to hope that you know Broadway gets shut down again, and then that just clears their calendar uh, for uh, some more Gilded Age. I mean, you just got to think about their checkbook at the end of the day. They're probably like, you know what? I wasn't into this whole uh, uh, TV thing, but then I saw how much money I made, and it's just like, you know, I can I can live with this. I, I think they're doing okay. If there, if now, what, who on the cast was the biggest Broadway get? Because I really don't know much about Broadway. I feel like I've heard the George Russell, uh, was it Morgan Spector? He, he's been a big deal, I think, on Broadway for some time. Uh, Broadway folks, do not come for me, though, if I'm, if I'm wrong on that. But uh, from what I understand, though, he's a bit of a, a big deal. Yeah, he, he made his, his debut in 2010 in Arthur Miller's A View from the Bridge. Uh, and he's been on and off there for for some time, I think. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, I feel like every esteemed actor is in is it on and off theater. Yeah, you know? I just took it here to think like I don't know who any of these people are, so they must be on Broadway or something. Uh, yeah. Except for Meryl Streep's daughter, who we know got this role probably because of only nepotism. Sorry. Um, What's it called, though? I think uh, Peggy's father, though, uh, John Douglas Thompson, is actually pretty well regarded on uh, Broadway. So Okay. Don't take my well, word for it. supporting role. It's like take a day off of uh, being an ensemble member in Hamilton and just show up. 
Yeah. Or whatever role they're playing at the time. Yeah, exactly. Don't take my, my word for it. But yeah, he's a Tony Award nominee. Yeah. He, so. So I take back what I said about a chorus member in Hamilton. <laughs> Tony <laughs> Award nominated means no, we're the real deal. Legit. Yeah. Very, very legit. Uh, so. Okay. We should get to this episode, though, because uh, Dave, again, you know, we thought Julian was turning a new leaf with a 45 minute episode in episode two, but he fooled us. He really did. He, it's. 55 56 minutes again this week mm-hmm i did manage to hit the skip intro moment at the at the right time this week though. oh great great you didn't have to so sit there spared that moment that minute of <laughs> of flourishing cgi flowers and gilding so yeah I, I big don't, win for me yeah i don't think you missed much there um this episode flew by for me i don't know about you dave it did it definitely did it wasn't it wasn't not an hour but mm-hmm. it was a good hour yeah but Julian is definitely filling up time with uh, some nonsense uh, yet again. Uh, well, I don't know if it's fair to say nonsense, but there's a lot of little th- stories that are going on. And we'll just start with the lowest hanging fruit of all. The, the most bizarre is at the Russell's house, there is their right-hand man, their Bates type of character, Watson, the bald guy, mm-hmm. who just keeps going for walks on his break. <laughs> And we get a meaningful shot of him staring at some family walking into the house. He's got like some wistful eyes going on, and it's like, what is going on here? I don't know who you are. And there's are. Some, someone named Mrs. McNeil going into the house? Something like that. What do you think this guy's deal is, Dave? There's too much in the show for me to care what this guy's deal is. <laughs> do you think is. he actually just likes taking long walks? <laughs> and they just pause the camera every time he takes a break while walking? Maybe he's like a pervert. <laughs> I know. That's what I mean. It's not off the table here. We don't know anything about this guy. We really don't. Um. Anyway, <laughs> that's all we get from him. <laughs> that's all that's there. But that one woman, it, like, watches him go too. The one who's suspicious of him. Yeah, I think it's that's Miss Bruce. I think. Yeah, that's Miss Bruce. Um. Mm-hmm. And. On a more serious note, downstairs we do see Jack trying to approach uh, Bridget. You know, the, they went out to that show last week, where he thought mm-hmm. you know the, that could lead to something. She was not feeling it. And wh- what happens there, Dave? She has a past. Yeah, and they really slow roll it out because it's pretty obvious from the the jump what it, her deal is when they start the scene. No, it's so dumb. It's so. <laughs> I mean, not dumb because it's a. It's also. Do we have any Julian tropes? protagonists that are already victims i mean i I know this is not something that we should dwell on as far as like doubt and you have uh, was a uh baxter mrs baxter's haunted past and stuff like that okay so we have a haunt but that uh as far as um abuse or anything implied uh anna we know mr green happens but that's yeah so but yeah it's just sort of a, a, a scene that just slowly walks to the conclusion that you knew it, was going it's a, to I mean, it's, it's something that definitely happens in the real world where this uh, Bridget, she was abused by her father, obviously. She, they, don't ever, they don't explicitly say it was her father. They cut that out and make it a whisper, but it's pretty clear that's what's going on. And, and like, sure, it, it's just kind of a tired, dramatic uh, mm-hmm. beat that's like, okay, well, well I guess we got to work through this one here. Yeah, she she blames her mother because her father was out of control, mm-hmm. and this seems too touchy of a subject to have uh, Julian pull the rug out from under us and for it to be something other than what it's heavily implied to be. Right, and my thoughts on this is just that 
Julian, you don't have to give a backstory to every single downstairs character. You can make this like 45 minutes. We've seen that you did this already this season. You don't have to make these episodes 55 minutes if you want to. This was, like this took up like yeah, take a week off. Right, Righteous Gemstones has half an hour a week, and they take weeks off from characters. Yeah, just got yes, Euphoria does the same. Just you know, I, but you know, I respect him giving time to her. She's acting her heart out. Maybe he'll go somewhere. Um, tough beat, tough beat there. Yeah, definitely. Um, let's just keep those are the real like super short plots right? yeah. well, in our hour long episode moving up the chain here though uh, we want to tackle Mr. Bannister and the, the missing dog uh, Pumpkin we can do that This is yeah. I really enjoyed this bit but by the way the other week we were wondering what the dog's name was um, my, my running pumpkin. my running buddy Julie actually listens to the podcast and she corrected me that it was Pumpkin and I was like okay noted I will not forget that that dog's name is Pumpkin it's a long way away from Isis on Downton Abbey I don't think he it's uh <laughs> Well, Isis, they're all um, Egyptian. Downton, they're all Egyptian themed. Yeah. So, are these all Halloween themed here or something? Yeah, the next one is going to be, uh, I don't know, Black peppermint. Cat. It's going <laughs> to be seasonal beverages. <laughs> what do you put in your coffee? Yeah. Pumpkin, peppermint, eggnog. Yep. So, Dave, what, what is going on with Pumpkin in this episode? Bannister goes to take Pumpkin for a walk. And this this could have gone sour, even more sour, very quickly. What were you thinking when this started? Like, why are we watching this? Why are we watching him take this dog for a walk? I didn't think he was going to lose the dog. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think was going to happen? Well, I thought that the horse was going to step on the dog. But I thought. Well, didn't we already get that teased in the first episode? Is that like Chekhov's gun in this show? Is just like, will the dog get trampled by the <laughs> local horse? Julian has a thing against dogs, but he knows that he can't pull the trigger because. The world loves dogs too much. That that's true. <laughs> um, but but the, so he's got the dog. He's got pumpkin on the leash. Yep. And then this horse rears up and starts making noise. And Bannister, he's old and he's mm-hmm. <laughs> he gets scared. He gets shook easily. Yeah. And he turns to see what's going on with this horse, and he turns back, and the dog is gone. And the and they, they handle it so comedically, where <laughs> literally it, it cuts from the horse to him just standing there holding the leash with nothing attached to it. <laughs> like what? And the dog pumpkin gets out of her collar, or yeah. his collar. It's collar. We, do we know what gender pumpkin is? I don't know, but they need a tighter collar on that thing because they get out of it scot free. They're they're totally clean from it, you know. Yeah, and then. Not Mrs. Bruce. Somebody else from, or is it Mrs. Bruce from? Mm-hmm. The what am I looking for? The Russell House finds the dog, just sitting across the street. Yeah, I mean, we, we do see that Ada is very upset over this. She, she she's, oh, yeah, she's so torn. Agnes up. could care less. And, and and Agnes has one of the best lines of the episode where you, we survived the Civil War and then you collapse because a dog is missing. <laughs> uh. And she croaks out pumpkin. <laughs> but yeah, as you said, Dave, across the street, Miss Bruce is just outside. And it's like, whose dog is that? They say, who let the dogs out? Who? 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 But, well, but Bertha Miss no- Bruce knows who, they know whose dog it is yeah. immediately. Right. So they take the dog well, in, they clean it up. But Bertha being Bertha mm-hmm. basically just says, uh uh-uh, uh, don't walk the dog over now. Don't knock on the, the servant's quarters door and mm-hmm. drop it off. You got to bring that dog inside, give it a bath, give it something to eat, and send a note over. Because mm-hmm. she's trying to lure Ada or Agnes over there. Yeah. Must have that FaceTime. 
Uh, but Agnes is not going to have it. <laughs> she, she says, Mr. Bannister, you lost a dog. Go get it. Yeah. So So he plays fetch. And and he she rips up the note. Mm. And she I don't know what the I mean, I know that the society thing, but she seems so cut and dry. Like she won't even keep the paper. Hey man, old versus new. She knows what's up. <laughs> That's what the the plot is. <laughs> it really is. Uh but it leads to like one of the best interactions of the episode where Bannister goes over to the Russell's house and he's just very curious about how they manage things over there. This is the greatest shade thrown in this show so far. Go in, Dave. Go in, man. He, he. They're like, oh, can we just show you around? Because I think, what's the uh, the banister of across the street? Is that um, Mr. Church? Yeah, it's Mr. Church. Uh, he's, he's like, ah, oh, you know, clearly he's kind of trying to pivot mm-hmm. and and do what Bertha was going to do, which is sort of show off the house. Mm-hmm. And Banister's like, oh, I'd love to walk around. I got some time. And it's like, oh, let's see what's on the menu. And then they go meet Steve Martin from the Pink Panther. Oh, you mean M- Madame... Uh, uh, Monsieur. Monsieur, yeah, the, the French chef who looks like Steve you know, Martin in the Pink Panther. Yes, as you called out, Dave. And he's got M- the M- menu. Monsieur Baden is his name. Baden? Baden. Baden. <laughs> his name is Joseph, too, right? Joseph Baden. I, I didn't see Joseph. I don't know. Just Monsieur. Oh, uh, Okay. Just Joseph Baden, mm-hmm. um, and he's looking at the menu, and he's like, "A oh, chicken soup for lunch." Yeah, that, I don't know about that. Is that, is that hot or cold? <laughs> it's hot. And and the the chef is not he's not thrilled about this. Mm-mm. And then every room that Bannister proceeds to to go to, he's like, "This, this thing." Right. Oh, this is for shucking oysters. Huh. Okay. <laughs> so eating oysters at every meal. <laughs> uh, that's a choice. Sure. But but like uh, you know you oh you range your glasses in a straight line we do it in a square over here, but I mean it, it's a funny thing where Mr. Church is left questioning if he's doing it correctly when you know he's just doing it how he knows in, in the modern way doesn't mean it's wrong or right it's just how he knows how to do it. Yeah, and I think it's a it's that sort of classism coming through where where I think Bannister outright says this is the British way to do it, mm-hmm. and. The British way you know, right. we see later later in the episode, Mont, Mont, uh, you know, Mont, Monsieur French Baudin. guy, Monsieur, Monsieur Bolden is like, he's like, look, they, you know, we have a French chef. This is a French chef cooking. Like, you watch what you say around a French chef. So he, Bannister's living rent free in the downstairs of the mm-hmm. Russell House mines. Yeah, absolutely. The thing with the colored glass, he's like, colored glass. Hmm. You sure about that? Yeah. How are you supposed to know if they've drinking from it or not? It's like, well, I mean, you just kind of assume. <laughs> you feel the. I feel like glass. it's like they just had like Larry David write these scenes. Where like, really? That? Yeah. yeah. Hmm? And then he goes back, and Ada gets the dog back. And she is so happy. She's so elated to have uh, back pumpkin. Mm-hmm. And uh, that is that plot, plot line. It, it's the you know we have to have something that's just silly every week from from Julian. You wonder if that's on his like internal checklist is make a silly subplot. Yeah, it can't be all all serious all, all the time, you know. Mm-hmm. But I do like how Agnes is uh, quick to shut it down, like you know, from that plot line. Let's not have the mutt be a link between the houses. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Ada's like, it's not a mutt. It's a mutt. The dog's a mutt. Well, I don't think the dog is a mutt. <laughs> we don't know what breed um, it is. I don't think. Th- 
I mean, oh, is, does it have to be a certain breed to be called a mutt? Is that a thing? A mutt is like a mix. I don't think a mutt. Oh, really? Is, I mean, I'm also not a huge dog person, so I'm pretty sure a mutt. Oh, okay, is so. A, so then, what do you call like a? a oh, never. Okay, so the dictionary is a a dog, especially a mongrel. Right. That's why I always thought. What do you think? They they're just called tramps, like Lady and the Tramp. Like, no oh, that dog. Tramp dog. Uh, mutts are uh, my implicate when when you have a dog that's like mixed breeds. That's when you mm-hmm. say it's a mutt. Yeah. yeah, we got oh, it's a mutt. We really don't know what it is. That's why I call it myself. Yeah, but that <laughs> this dog does not look like it's a. Uh, this is like a show a rich person's dog. This isn't some adopt not shop dog. Yeah, but that's it for that dog. Y- yep that 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 is that that is it for it. <laughs> um, uh, I think of the other minor plot lines uh, relating to the downstairs. I think the last one that's left is. Uh, well, actually, no. There's another small one. Gladys needs a new helper. This gets t- mm-hmm. taken care oh, yeah, of because early on. She's uh, her current uh, lady's maid or maid, mm-hmm. whatever, countess or whatever it is. They they say what the title is, and then they say yeah. about eight different titles. Mm-hmm. Took her to a hotel to meet that Baldwin boy. Yeah. Yep, which we didn't see. Right, that that happened off. No, no, we did not see. Yeah. That happened off screen. And this is going to be probably a bigger problem down the line, but Bertha is very invested in controlling uh, Gladys's whereabouts and whatnot, even though she's an adult. It, it seems like she wants to see her with someone well off, I think, to kind of like further ingratiate their family with the, the rich uh, people. Uh, mm-hmm. So she does not uh, appreciate this lady taking Gladys to meet Baldwin in the middle of the day, as they say, <laughs> uh, to, mm-hmm. to meet up. But so she gone. Uh, Gladys is uh, not thrilled about it, and I think mm-hmm. her behavior is not going to change. No, and we even get a, a small moment of uh, yeah, Miss Grant. She she even uh, tells off, kind of tells off um, Bertha. Just says you know what she did, and just to to be easy. But Bertha assesses it correctly. She's like, you're only talking like that because you're already fired. You know, <laughs> you're mm-hmm. going to collect your pay and be gone. Bertha's saying, "Look, I'm I'm climbing I'm climbing this ladder, and yeah. if my family's not in with me, well, tough, you know what? I'm, as you're, is, you better be in line with me." As this episode is called, it is the long ladder. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, that's when we get the scene of like where they see the dog outside when they, she's leaving the place. Um, but yeah, want to cross off the last uh, downstairs uh, story, Dave? Now, what, which one is this? Is this Peggy or does Peggy count downstairs? No, she's up, she's upstairs, man. Yeah, I figure. Yeah, she's, she's a, upstairs adjacent. Yeah, Miss Turner. Oh yeah. <laughs> Did you already forget about that one? Uh, no, I didn't forget about. It. I, I feel like I would. I don't know if I would lump that as a Miss Turner plot. What, else, what what would you call that plot? That's a George plot. Okay. But we already started talking about it. I mean, so it's really simple. Yeah. Uh, she, Julian says, look, I'm on HBO. They got a couple of requirements of me. Yeah. Well, I mean, early in this episode, we see that, you know, she's not happy. And uh, one of the downstairs people, uh, Mr. Church or someone's like, you know, just stop being so negative. <laughs> I feel like that's all they've been saying to her. And, and she pulls a line straight out of the Tom Barrow's playbook and say, like, why are we serving these people? Mm-hmm. They, maybe someday they'll be serving us. How's that sound? Yep. So she's got a plan, man. It's pretty she's simple. She's got a plan. She's she's a Julian antagonist plan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I didn't know if they were going to go all the way with this, and they did. She she because uh, well, so last week we saw 
George and uh, Bertha in the same bedroom where I think it was George says, I'm going to sleep in here tonight, or Bertha said that. He asked permission. Yeah. yeah, which I took to mean like as a joke, you know, like, oh, what? Mm-hmm. Didn't I say it wasn't a joke? Right. This is... And you were right. They don't sleep together. I was kind of surprised hey, look at it. Well, I just feel like it's one of those like traditions. Like they probably did sleep together some, you know, but if he's working late, he doesn't want to wake her up. He can just go to his room in their giant mansion, so... That's true. It must be nice to have that whole bed to yourself, too. Oh, yeah. I'm yeah. sure he's thrilled. Well, it wasn't all to himself that night. <laughs> no. No, not at all. He doesn't keep his door locked, clearly. Um, Dave, were you surprised they were going to go all the way with this? I, this show has been pretty tame. Yeah. I was I was pretty shocked at, yeah. at how quickly this uh, escalated. Evolved, devolved, escalated. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Miss Turner, the the help has has a plan. So she just goes to George's room, undresses herself, and gets in bed next to him while he's asleep. Yeah, and he gets out of that bed like, no, 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 no. And then yeah, she's she's completely not wearing anything. This is HBO. This is new for Julian. Julian doesn't go here usually. Julian sitting in like the producer chair, like. <laughs> It's just cackling. <laughs> Look at what I'm doing. <laughs> Look at me. It was funny. Um, uh, when I was just looking for articles about the show on here, um, Decider, uh, it's a clickbait website, posted an article saying, The Gilded Age aired one of its most gratuitous nude scenes in ages. And they go on to say, like, In ages? In ages. Uh, you know, I don't know. Four episodes. Yeah, I know, four right? Four hours. <laughs> uh, but they say, like, they didn't, there's nothing about the scene where they had to show anything. And it's like, yeah, that's true. I don't know. <laughs> it's just. I mean, I think it's shock. You know, a little bit, yeah. I'm, I'm sure there's prudish people out there who are like, "Come on, we, we didn't have to see that." But either way, credit to George because in this scene, he he keeps his eyes on her the whole time. Oh but, yeah, George. This is, I mean, which I don't know if that if if I'm in that situation, I don't know if I'm keeping eyes with her the whole time. I'm just like, humana, humana, humana. Get out of here. I mean, I, Get. I think that's what she wants. <laughs> right. But George is... Or at str- least cover your eyes, look down, be like, come on, lady. Yeah. Is that, he, George he, is just he, stronger than I, though. He is locked in on her eyes like, no. <laughs> he tears her down while staring at her while she's naked. <laughs> he's just staring at her face, though. He's, he's keeping his eyes up up there. It doesn't matter what he where his eyes are. He, he's it not does. like, it become decent. Put, put some clothes on. He's like, I'm talking to you and don't you move. <laughs> yeah, put your pants on. Get out of here. But he doesn't say, he's just like, no, 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 no. <laughs> My wife likes you, so you better just pretend this didn't happen. I like how he just kind of like thrusts his cl- her clothes at her. Like, kid, kid, come on now. Um, but she failed. Again, what's with these? <laughs> Julian, this is the most recycled plot. Well, what do you think her next plan is, though? After that, that's like a big play. What, what, what do you think comes next? She definitely is scheming after she leaves that room. She's thinking about something. Does she go for the sun? Oh man, that'd be oh man, that'd be next level. Or does George get sick of Bertha's social climbing? Nah. I, I believe George when he says he loves her. Like everything that they've done in the show leads me to believe there there's nothing wrong there. And there's already articles about there about uh, was there, I think it was on Variety like uh, TV's new power couple. People are invested in the Russells, man. People were invested in Robert and Cora. Look how that. <laughs> I mean, they Jane got a little kiss on the face. Yeah, yeah. But uh, all right, Turner. <laughs> nice, keep nice trying. Yeah, keep trying. Keep trying. Why not? Um, <laughs> eh, 
Or maybe not. Maybe it was not going to work. Um, but that's that. Uh, so let's let's shift things more upstairs since we're, since we're moving that way now. Mm-hmm. Oscar. You want to talk about Mrs. You want to ask Oscar's not much. Yeah. What right. about Oscar? Break. Tell tell me about Oscar. He ain't been around much lately, uh, because after he found out that George may be on hard times, he was like, I don't want to associate with them. And then when he realized they're rich, he was asking for invites again. And George is like, huh? He, so he talks to his son Larry, and he's asking, do you think that Oscar only wants to be involved because I have money? And Larry Larry's like, I think he seems like a good guy. But George is like. I don't think so. And Smash Not cut to me. Yeah, Smash cut to Oscar being like, they won't let me in there. What's going on? And he's complaining to Ada. He's banging on the gate. Yeah. I could have gone and got the dog. I know. Uh, I like how he pleads his case to Ada where, you know, I thought they were poor and that's why I stopped associating with them. And she's like, well, I think you're actually in the wrong. I'm on their side now. It's like, thanks for being the audience surrogate, Ada, uh, on uh, where Oscar should fall or not. Yeah. And speaking of Ada and that scene, mm-hmm. We see that Marion and Peggy are shopping, mm-hmm. and they bump into a persona non grata, Mrs. Chamberlain. Oh, yeah, that's early in the episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it all connects to that scene that we're just talking about with Ada and Oscar. Yeah. Uh, so and Go ahead. Marion is shopping for things. I think she's still kind of enamored by New York City. Mm-hmm. So she's using her aunt's money that she is undeservedly given, you know, and she bumps into Mrs. Chamberlain, who's buying like a box. Mm-hmm. And she's bragging about this sort of intricacies of this box. And this is a Mary box. knows she shouldn't be talking to her in public. Mm-hmm. And Mrs. Chamberlain knows she shouldn't be talking about talking to Marion in public because she knows what Marion will have to endure. Yeah. And. So this is an early in the episode that kind of plants the seeds for later in the episode, but Marion just goes in there and asks Peggy, you know, to come with her, and everyone's staring at Peggy in there. She does not want to be mm-hmm. in there at all. Marion clearly does not have any idea of what it means to to have someone like that, you know, you know, black person uptown. Like it, it, it's not accepted. She's just very naive, as mm-hmm. we see repeated throughout this episode. Um, and even then, yeah, I mean, talking up Chamberlain and stuff like that. Maybe shouldn't be yet, but she's talking to her. And lo and behold, what comes to the house, Dave? The box. What's in the box? She will not she will not tell Aunt Agnes who bought her this box. Mm-hmm. And comes to the point where she tells Aunt Ada. Mm-hmm. And Aunt Ada's like, You gotta bring it back. Like that's just how it's gotta be. Yeah, we we don't want anything to do with this box. Because that's the only way she won't reveal who it came from, because she knows it'll get her in trouble. Mm-hmm. Uh, because Aunt Agnes thinks it's it's Rakes doing yep. it. Because he's trying to prove himself. So we get actually get to visit the Chamberlain house and find out the whole Chamberlain story. Yeah, we see she's got some great artwork, great paintings on the wall. Doing just fine for herself. Doing great. She, yeah, she's a widow, so mm-hmm. she's just kind of living, doing her thing. Yep. And she knows that she probably shouldn't have sent this box. Mm-hmm. And it just seems like an excuse for them to meet. And and it's a fine little scene where she talks about how she kind of made her husband into the sophisticated man that he became before he passed away. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of a funny story. He just happened upon some medals that were worth money, became rich, and 
then you know she saw potential in this guy and and, and made him into something. Uh, mm-hmm. And now it just seems like she's looking for a friend, but we know it's not the full story yet. Nope, not at all. Mm-hmm. And she kind of makes it weird on the way out where she goes, every time I th- see this carved box that I bought with my money, I'm going to think of you. Yeah. So strange. I, I hope, I, yeah, I, I don't know where that's going, but okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, uh, and then we cut to the scene with Oscar talking about the, the Russell's not letting him in and mm-hmm. uh, looking for a wife. And uh, they've talk about, Mrs. Chamberlain and and her whole story is kind of revealed, or rather, the other half of the story. Yeah, she was the other lady. They were for seven years. Yeah, Mr. Chamberlain was living in sin. He had another woman, and he was with her. And they assumed once they moved to New York after he was done with the other lady that they would leave them behind. All these stories and stuff, but people knew. People knew what was going mm-hmm. on. People don't forget. Nope. And the child that was born. Looks an awful lot like Chamberlain. Mm-hmm. And and, that, and that's a funny thing too, because she says when she's meeting with Marion, uh, Lady Chamberlain, that her son uh, is living in Chicago. She kind of like brushes off really quickly, but they say he went to Chicago because he was tired of the rumors and stuff. What are the odds that we see that character emerge in the show at this some point? <laughs> we got season two coming. It's going to so. happen. It's got to happen. They're spending too much time with this Chamberlain who who's not doing anything to move the overall plot. Yeah. But we do for this not to scope back in in but, some capacity. But we do finally understand why Agnes doesn't approve of her. It's because she represents the new, even though she's like took the money from the old, you know. Mm-hmm. She didn't get it the right way, pretty much. So sure. Agnes doesn't respect her, you know, those those people climbing up. But uh, that's what's going on with with the Chamberlain deal. Now I feel like we should tackle uh, the Russells before sure. I, uh, and end with we bringing it back to Marion. Yep. So we see the be- episode begins with a montage cross cutting between what was the gentleman who Mr. committed Morris. suicide, Mr. Morris's funeral, and. George planning out Penn Station mm-hmm. and not so subtle from Julian to be like well sorry <laughs> sorry buddy yeah. sorry Morris you had to you had to go you missed out so George in- intercepts Mr. Fane mm-hmm. as he's about to go into his like gentleman's uh, club not gentleman not like a you know like a Prince Philip club with the ladies coming around, but like a, a society club. Sure. High society. Yeah. Yeah. And he's like, look, man, I know, I know I'm not allowed inside, mm-hmm. but I'm really sorry about what happened. You know, clearly I didn't intend for this dude to kill himself. And also I feel like we got to talk. Yeah. And they kind of come with, to an agreement. Yeah. That uh, his wife will help introduce Bertha to the other high society women, you know, get them on the the same page. As long as he comes and kind of like works for for George, it sounds like. Kind of helps, and he will make good on the money lost in the stock deal. <laughs> yeah. And Charles Fane is definitely in that mindset of like, oh no, dude, 
I'm not going to kill myself. Yeah. But I accepted the punishment that you put down on us. So he's already kind of kissing the ring. Yeah. This old money is kissing this robber baron money pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But I mean, the- I mean, his friend did commit suicide over. Yeah. I mean, that's one did thing. Did you also notice the the line in the funeral in the beginning where the woman says, "Oh, I can't believe he's getting buried on consecrated ground." Yeah, you can't you can't bury him here because if you commit suicide, you shouldn't be buried in a in a religious uh, graveyard. Right, and then they add the scene where they just show, show the body being thrown in the water, right in the Hudson. <laughs> yep, they go to the pole dark and just chuck it off the cliff. Exactly. Um. But yeah, the fanes are gonna you know stay in rotation here, and so we get some scenes of what is it? Uh, Bertha's uh, was it Miss Fane comes to visit Bertha at the house, mm-hmm. and they kind of devise that you know we we know you have a lot of money to contribute, so there's this red cross thing that they're going around, uh, you know, collecting money on. Maybe that's something mm-hmm. to get in on, and 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 she whispers into George's ear that. Look, there's a lot of fatalities because that old man that's always hanging around George is like mm-hmm. another railroad accident. Right. We got to do something to like kind of shore up potential, you know, uh, risk that we're facing with, with the deaths around the, this train here. So mm-hmm. that's where Enter Bertha says, if we invest like something in the re- Red Cross where we're helping people affected by disasters, it'll look good for us. It's a good PR move, and we get to cut the line as far as if we need the help. Yep. If a bunch of people are somehow massacred on one of our work sites or in a train, we get priority. Works out. And so this eventually leads to her getting an invitation to um, the opera at mm-hmm. the end of the episode. Where she wears yeah. an incredible red dress, by the way. This is great. This is like get them an Emmy. This is big, big flex. Yeah. All the budget went to that dress that she's wearing. She looks great in that red. Mm-hmm. And she's there, so she's making her right way in. She's, we can already see Bertha's making the inroads. Yeah. 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 Pretty simple. Yeah. Someone's got to go sideways here, though. It can't be this clean. But who does it go sideways for? I feel like the... I don't think I don't think the Russells are going to hit a bump in the road. It's going to be something with the Astors, I think, when they come back. They weren't there, there this uh, week, but something's got to be got to give there. Because I don't think they respect her. It's funny though, because with the way Agnes resents all these, all these, you know, new money people and stuff, I feel like we just don't see her interact with anyone half the time except her own family. Dude, she's like a curmudgeon. Yeah, it's like when are we gonna get her to like really flex on people and show up and do things? Yeah, like the the reason the Dowagers' quips work is because they're bouncing off of people that are like targets. Yeah, it seems like Agnes is like mean tweeting. You know, she's just talking. <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of neg- negative energy coming from her. Um, but that's that, and that kind of ties, yeah, back to where we're where we're at with Marion. Yeah, so Marion, so Marion's kind of the main event here. Yeah, and, so, and well, actually, do we want to do Marion? Marion and Peggy kind of coincide. Right. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I was saying. But Marion, Marion's still thinking about Mister Rakes, old okay. Tom. Yeah, and she's is it Peggy says if your aunts weren't in the picture, what would you do? Mm-hmm. And Marion's kind of like, oh, hmm. And I think I this is know. where the criticisms of her acting come into play. Because she's, she's not great, but she's also kind of supposed to be a dummy. She's awfully limited, I feel like. And it's not based on her character. I just feel like there, you just, there's moments in the show where her face just shows me nothing. Like, I have no idea how to interpret what she's thinking because it's just a blank face. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, 
but yeah, I mean, just jump to the head of like Mr. Rakeser is there at the the opera. Mm-hmm. He comes over with another woman. Yeah, another woman of society. She's definitely an older woman. It's, it's just part of his social climbing, I think. But there, it, it, there's definitely something. There's definitely something not necessarily implied, but something that makes Marion uneasy mm-hmm. because she sees him in this booth next to her at the at the opera, and then during the intermission, he comes over and chats with her, and this woman from across the way is like. Come on, you got to come back. You got to come back here with me. I don't want anyone sort of taking my man. Yeah. And we know, I mean, obviously they're not like nothing's happening. Mm-mm. But she she goes back to her and we see Marion kind of giving the eyes to the booth the whole time. <laughs> yeah, she is uh, definitely interested. Uh, and I mean, we're pretty much left where we were last week with them where, you know, the proposal is still on, on the table. And... Uh, but he's climbing, you know, he's proving his worth, and he's saying he's yeah. doing it for Marion, which is, again, weird. It's on the table. Uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see what goes on there, but we'll leave that. But, yeah, Marion is very much tied in, uh, up with uh, Peggy this week because we see Peggy. She got a callback on her writing. From the New York Globe. Yeah. Uh, you know, as she mentioned last week, she wrote to the Advocate and the Globe, and it took the Globe a little bit longer to get back to her because it seems like they're just a lot busier than the advocate they seem like a, a, a smaller operation with a lot less bandwidth to work with uh when it comes to putting out their paper yep and julian loves a uh, newspaper man from absolutely both our good friend richard carlisle and what was uh michael gregson is yep. a newspaper man mm-hmm. and this is a, a hunk she doesn't expect me to hunk at the the newspaper who knew you could get like that jacked from like rolling out newspaper uh print you know he's mm-hmm. huge uh was it t thomas uh fortune is his name yeah the four <laughs> mr fortune no i he i guess going into this i didn't think that he was i thought it was going to be a white newspaper again mm-hmm and then, you know, Mr. Fortune, I thought this was supposed to imply, like, the Fortune 500 developed from this or something. Yeah. Have some real newspaper. And, you know, may, maybe I'm, I'm just severely ignorant on this subject, but mm-hmm. this he's just running a DIY newspaper. Yeah. And, and in comes Peggy, and he's like, she's like, okay, who am I supposed to be talking to right now? He's like, you're supposed to be talking to me. <laughs> yeah. I really like your work. <laughs> I run the show here. Um, and they briefly talk about uh, what is it? Who's conservative? Who's Republican and stuff? And she's like, "Why should I care? I don't have voting rights yet." And he's like, "I like that Paul political talk. You can write an article on that." So and he and he sends her off, and there there's a little. I see a little spark. I mean, how can there not be? His name is Fortune. He's built like a brick house. I mean, why not? <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh. Go for it, Peggy. <laughs> this is win-win. Yeah. Um. So she she's got a feather in her cap, and she's got to go v- visit home though, as we saw from last episode, where uh, you know, Daddy was asking her to come back because it's. Well, we also did get the scene mm-hmm. in between where Aunt Agnes has to talk to her about, or they, she talks to Agnes about. Oh yeah. The position. And again, you know, this curmudgeonly old lady who doesn't want to deal with the new money is a-okay with her yeah. colored secretary writing an editorial about 
not having the right to vote. Yeah. She's as, as long as I don't hear about it, it's fine. It's like, no, no, no. Those Julian, elitist you can't, progressives. You can't play on Agnes like this. <laughs> Julian loves to make elitists look like the best people in the room. You know that that's just that's <laughs> comes hand in hand with his material here. Um, yeah. So so that 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 was just a little scene in the in the between. Yep. And then we go to Peggy's mom's birthday party, right. which and is uh, Audrey McDonald plays her mom, uh, Dorothy Scott. Now that. Is a Broadway star. She has uh, six Tony Awards. She oh, is okay. Too legit. So, there you go. That that's that's. She's too legit to quit Broadway for another couple scenes. Right, right. She she's doing just fine for herself. <laughs> um. So, yeah, she's there for dinner for her birthday, and it's interesting that the way they portray this because, like, you know, I, and there was an article in the New York Times about this how so much around that time the late 1800s you know a lot of you know black people are coming out of slavery and still trying to make something for themselves so it's rare to see mm-hmm. that at the same time there were some people who were successful in that position mm-hmm. and beyond just you know was it her father gives a story about was it his father how he uh, do things with him I forget what the specific was but the way the story wraps is that like he was sold or sold off from the plantation before emancipation happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so like there's a, there's just a brief acknowledgement, you know, of where they came from there. But similar to the other family, it, it's kind of funny how he's very much thinking about their, you know, societal position and what is a means to bring in money and stuff. He, he's, you know, very aware of the social stratification of everything. And also we are beating around the bush. They're very well off. Yeah. Exactly, and he wants to keep it that way. I think. Yeah, and he owns a pharmacy. Yeah, he he expects her to take it over. Yeah, and he says it's good that you got this writing gig, but how about you come work for Dad? Yeah, filling filling scripts. Still, I feel like there's a rip, there's a thing with the rift here that we're missing. Because why would she need to? I mean, there's definitely so the stuff going on with Rakes. We definitely need to know. Yeah. T- totally. <laughs> um, during this though. Marion has the bright idea for whatever the reason to come visit Peggy to bail her out. He says she he knows she might need she knows she might need help. Mhm. Cuz she knows Peggy isn't too keen on talking about her parents or anything there. Mhm. So we, yeah, she knows there's a, a rift of sorts and she just wants to help. Yeah. So we get a get a brief scene of her stepping into Brooklyn. Uh, we actually get the the joke uh what is it when they're talking about uh, the Chamberlains back at the house. And uh, Agnes has the the quip. Um, was it? She may need some cheering up. And then Agnes says, "So would I if I lived in Brooklyn." And then Oscar like dies of laughter. <laughs> uh, you know things. How have, things have changed. Yeah. Now everyone wants to be in Brooklyn. <laughs> um. So she gets there, and all black people in the street. She stands out in her her you know dress and just being as white as she is. Mm-hmm. And. Yeah, she knocks on the door, and the help is like, what are you doing here? <laughs> yeah, they have help. And yeah. not only are they rich enough to have a nice house, they have help. They have a staff. Yeah. And she's like, I'm here for Peggy. Mm-hmm. And they're like, oh, hey, how are you? And they're like, oh, what's in the bag? Yeah. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> right. Oh, no. <laughs> she brought some passed over boots to, to, to give to them. 
and she has to kind of like moonwalk her way out of this whole conversation of just no, like I don't think she moonwalks her. I think Peggy she, moonwalks her out of the situation as best she can. Peggy's like, give them to a charity that might need them. That's why she did it. And then the dad's like, then why are you, why did you come to Brooklyn to do it? <laughs> it's almost like a like a, a Simpsons. Uh, is that a Aurora Borealis going on in there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, steamed hams moment. Yeah, steamed hams, steamed hams. <laughs> Uh, look that up if you don't know what that is. But um, yeah, she makes a fool of herself, and Peggy even at first is annoyed that she's there. She didn't invite her there, and then to see this boots thing, she lays into her at the end of this episode, and I oh, loved man, she it. Lays into her, loved it. She's like, she says, "He thought you stop thinking you're really my friend." Yeah, because like you know, yeah, I follow you around and everything, but it's just like you just assume I'm poor because I'm colored. Like, get out of here. Just, I let you train fair. I don't let you. Yeah, I, Pennsylvania to New York train fair. You my money. And I feel like, you know, Dave, at the beginning of the show, they try to paint Marion as someone who's kind of like, you know, open-minded, you know, trying to do good. I feel like she's been portrayed as naive the past few episodes, and especially here where she's just not, mm-hmm. you know, trying to look at the whole picture. Oh, she's she's nothing nothing special. Right. I mean, Marion Reason's like, you, you, you sleep where the help sleep in my house, and she's like, the, the look that Peggy gives her is like you think just because I sleep there I'm of those people like nah no. so you see how I dress you yeah. see who I am right she was dressed just, to the nines when she first met her or just don't even say what's in the bag say oh I was I was shopping or something yeah lie Marion is Marion is a, a doof also do you need a bag that big for boots that small like what's going on there I don't know <laughs> that bad look no. bad look also where did she find those boots yeah, where, it's not like she's hanging around with the staff saying, like, oh, you're going to Brooklyn? Bring these tattered boots. Yeah. I don't, God, know. I don't really like... I, I really, they have done nothing for me to root for Marion at all. I, like, I actively dislike her. She's ignorant. Straight up. And and it's too... It, it's it's not good. Like, and, and good things keep happening to her. It's the, the, the combination of her being naive and ignorant, and then good things keep happening to her. And it's just like, she doesn't deserve rakes. This guy's too good for her. I don't know. We don't know about rakes. I, I mean, he may be bad for her when, when, when all is said and done. We don't know yet. But but that's the whole episode. That's the, the long and short of it. The long and long uh-huh. of it because it's an hour. Yep. So, so, good episode? Good episode, though? Yeah, uh, I, I think so. Yeah, moved. Yeah, it was solid. Definitely a solid and, episode. And Marion got her, her, her comeuppance. Right. I felt like a lot more table setting this episode with, you know, uh, Chamberlain, uh, Bertha being introduced to, to those girls and Mr. stuff like Fortune. that. Mr. Fortune? Mr. <laughs> Fortune, yes. What a name. <laughs> Do you think Julian just like wrote that down and then sat back and cackled to himself like, Julian, you did it again. <laughs> I've, I've done it. <laughs> oh, By <boy>. God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Oh, Julian, what a, what, a, what a trip. All right, so but, let's get to these power rankings. <laughs> Who do you got going down, Corey? I got Oscar at number three. This fool of a took, man. He thought he could try and talk up this Gladys and sweet talker and then get away with going icy on her when they may have not had any money. And now he's like, why can't I get back in? You're just a, just a silly, silly man. You're just a, a troubled, troubled closeted gay man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was trying to find the right word to, to, to chastise him, but I'm going to go with silly man, Oscar Van Ryan. He's number three. What about you, Dave? Well, number three, I got Turner. Okay. She... She did the naked Fair man. She did the How I Met Your Mother naked man, and it didn't work. <laughs> did not work. No. And 
that's a real moment to say how much you love your wife is when this this very beautiful woman mm-hmm. is like laying there and he's like no 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 get out so and, and she's been huffing and puffing about her grand scheme mm-hmm. this whole show so far and to the point where Mr. Church is definitely aware of what's going on with her trying to make moves yeah and oi big big L for for Turner yeah absolutely well at number two I got Mrs. Fane she's got Ben the knee I got Mrs. Fane at number two as well yeah I mean she doesn't want to do it but her husband's like you have to do this or else we're going to be poor you got to be friends with her it's almost like talking to a child now I think <laughs> when you said something about Bertha's having some comeuppance from the old money mm-hmm. I think Fane has much more to risk by bringing Bertha around than Bertha oh, does sure. entering yeah so I think Bertha might burn the Fane's down too because yeah if, if if yeah if Bertha doesn't come across as friendly and get along with everyone it reflects poorly on Fane so she has a lot to lose here Mm-hmm. But at number one, I got Miss Turner, man. Because for me, it was just like you really tried to go for it, and you just couldn't do it. So you, you took a big. This is all you've been talking about for three weeks, and this is what you did, and wasn't good enough. Maybe, maybe you should have done some more push-ups. I don't know. <laughs> maybe that would have won him over. She, he likes guns. I don't know. Uh, well, number one, I, I got Mary. Oh. I got Marion. Yeah, yeah. I I, I thought about Marion, but the ending with her and rakes the way it, it resolved there kind of like well maybe i think she's she's treading on the wrong something's gonna happen with her and chamberlain yeah she's she thinks that she's being this sort of self-righteous people are people it doesn't matter where the money comes from person mm-hmm. that's gonna come back and bite her in the butt yeah peggy just lays the smackdown on her in a way that no one has laid the smackdown on a Julian show since like Robert screaming at Brick. I almost wish that was the hammer of the episode. I didn't like that they had to go back to Rakes, you know, talking her up and charming her up, you know. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't redeem that. Let right. that discomfort sit. Exactly. And then we do see that she is starting to get jealous for this Rake Rakes guy climbing the ladder. Mm. It's true. And I with you know, we don't know where Rakes is, but we know that Agnes is not gonna be a fan. Yeah. Because Rakes is not old money. It's fair. Well, who's going so up for you, So whatever she's Dave? thinking, who's going up for me? Yeah. Oh, I got that. Hey, God, Mr. Bannister at number three. Okay. <laughs> Tell me about Bannister. He just walks around. He's like, no, this is wrong. <laughs> Wouldn't do it that way. <laughs> this is this is wrong. This is wrong. Yeah. And then he leaves, and everyone's like, this dude. <laughs> you know? <laughs> he knows they something. see all these angry people that are just like, oh, man. Yeah. We don't do the forks right. <laughs> I, I flirted with putting Mr. Bannister on here, but the, the image of him just standing there with an empty collar just, like, stuck with me. This guy lost a dog too easily. He deserves the redemption, though, because he goes sure. in and he, he does the, the, the Van Ryan's work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, well, number three for me, I got Bertha. She's making her way in. She's paving the roads, man. She's mm-hmm. donating to the Red Cross, and uh, good for her. It's finally working out, maybe. Maybe, and she cuts that promo on uh, Mrs. Grant and says, hey, you're fired, by the way. Collect your paycheck on the way out. <laughs> Peace. Yeah, well, number two, I got George. Okay. Because George, he sees this opportunity going around with this guy who offed himself, and he appeals to Fane's good nature, and he says, look, you want some money, you want some status, I can help you get that back. <laughs> Do you want to be buried on consecrated ground? work with me (laughs) and then his way to do it is to use this is this all links back to what this Mm -hmm. whole story is is he he says to Fane this ain't about me because look I can crush you I have crushed you your best friend killed himself because of me (laughs) 
Hold over but what I need you to do, I need I need my wife to be happy. Yeah. And I need you to do things to make my wife happy. And then when Turner does what Turner does, he basically just says, I love my wife. You've seen her? You've seen Carrie Coon? You're pretty. <laughs> Big fan. Carrie Coon's Carrie Coon. Yeah. That's why George is there. Okay. He shows his, even though he's a, uh, a robber baron for sure, he's a Rockefeller, he's, mm-hmm. you know, not the, the most heartfelt human. Mm-hmm. Big week. Good week. Well, for me, at number two, I got Mr. Rakes. This guy legit is climbing up that long ladder. You know, he, he met up with that lady, uh, making Marion a little bit jealous. He's doing A-OK for himself, honestly. This guy, he's charming people. He's willing and dealing. He's, he's definitely flipped the coin as far as, like, I like him better than I like Marion. Yeah. Even and Bertha's I didn't asking, like him in the first episode. Right. Even Bertha's asking, who's that guy over there? Yeah, he's just, who's that hunk? We see both these girls are these hunks. Uh-huh. 100%. But, I mean, number one's got to be unanimous. I got Peggy at number one. Same. It's got to be. She cuts down Marion so week. hard. Yeah, she's like she is the MVP of the show, honestly. I'm excited to see what she's up to every week, man. Peggy's great. She's got a job, another like a side job, you know, a side hustle of writing. She lays in the Marion and then she doesn't let her parents get her down. She's like, you know, I'm just gonna leave. You can I don't need any of your cake. Well, I mean, I don't think she just leaves. I think she leaves to save Marion's. Yeah. But Do you think And she also we're beaten over the fact that she that T Thomas Fortune is like I need more. I need more from you. Yeah, that, that, yeah, hundred percent. Old TTF. I wish there was like a scene of uh, Mr. Scott just eating the cake by himself because <laughs> he upset everyone. <laughs> He's. Uh, I like. I like the father. He's good. Good. Oh, I, I loved when he like gave that bit to Mary. He's like, "Why would you come to Brooklyn with that?" <laughs> like, why would you come to Brooklyn in the first place? <laughs> yeah. So good. the bridge is opening next year. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that is this week on the Gilded Age, and we'll be back next week doing season one, episode five. Dave, have you been able to watch anything else this past week? Well, you know, between all these period dramas, I had to get some real high quality entertainment, and I went to to the old cinema, and I went to see Jackass Forever. Oh, nice! I'm I'm hoping to see that soon. It was excellent. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. It made. It, it was one of those things where um, there's a, like four or five new people. Mm-hmm. And I think clearly they're trying to plant the seeds, with, especially with all the Paramount Plus stuff right. happening, that I could see a new show mm-hmm. with these new people. But the big standout guy is this guy named Poopies to me. And I was like, okay. oh, my God, this guy's going to irritate me so much. His name is so awful. Yeah. And the movie goes, I'm, I love this dude And mm-hmm. by the end of the movie. And then I say, OK, he's got to be like 25, 26 years old. He's 35. Hey, man, we still got a chance. We're not even like, that We still got yet. time. We just got run into walls and <laughs> yeah. stuff like that. Dude, just get a camera. Let's get, let's get the filming. <laughs> they say, But they say don't try to do the stunts at home. Okay. Well, but we don't have to do it. I, I loved it. I, it, was, it was weirdly cathartic to watch those men do what they do in their 40s and 50s. Hoping, hoping to see that one soon. It's you, I mean, to any of our... If you like the Gilded Age, I recommend Jackass Forever. <laughs> you may just like it. What about you, Corey? Anything good you've seen? I haven't had much time. I've been pretty busy. Uh, I, I haven't really watched much in the way of TV. I I watched a Korean uh, concert uh, on Friday night of, of this girl group I follow, Luna. So I woke up at 1 a.m. to then watch it until 4.30 in the morning on Friday. They just kept talking in between every song. I, I, it was like my first online concert. Yeah, I really uh, trans- translations on? Yeah, they had translations going on at the same time. And I stayed up the whole time to watch it. 
and then woke up at 9 a.m. the next morning to meet up with one of my, my running buddies and was just looked like trash. So, well, it was good. And then the Super Bowl happened, which I would. Oh, loved, yeah, obviously watched the Super Bowl. Watched loved 50 Cent. <laughs> 50 Cent. Hiding the, the ceiling. MVP uh, uh, of that game just hanging upside down for how, how long? We don't know. His face looked like it was about to combust from how much blood has rushed to his head. Uh, Poor guy. Wait, a lot wh- of people body shaming 50 Cent. I got, you got to stop. The dude's like 46. He's still jacked. He'll still lay you out. Yeah. No, he, he, he's, he's, still, he's still going. Uh, it actually made me feel old just thinking like 20 years ago was like wankster. I was like, jeez. <laughs> uh, but Mary J. Blige actually was like the highlight for me. When she launched into No More Drama and then like fell backwards because she was just like so like tuckered out. I was like, that was too intense for the Super Bowl, man. <laughs> I thought I thought Kendrick came in there with that camera work on Kendrick Lamar Great. was fantastic. I thought it was one of the most well directed Super Bowl halftime shows. I'm not the biggest football person in general, so I'm always excited about a. Did you actually watch the whole halftime game, Dave, show? Or did you tune out? Oh yeah, of course I did. That was a solid game, actually. It, 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 I mean, I, I always get my Super Bowl squares at work, so okay. I'm always invested on how things are going. As can I make some money off of it? Right, right. And I, I did. I, I made some wagers, and I spent way too much time over the weekend making wagers that did not pan out at all. So. Uh, lesson to all y'all: uh, Be careful with your money. So, you heard it here first, not from the, not from Mister Russell or Mister whatever killed himself. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Don't kill yourself, listeners. Do not do that. Never commit suicide. Oh, <laughs> never commit suicide over money. Never, please. Um, and on a yeah, everyone stay safe out there. And if you need to, yep. if you need some comfort, you can find more of our podcasts on. Our website on on the Podbean for Lords of Grantham. You can find us on Instagram, on Twitter, uh, and uh, you can always hit us up at Lords Grantham at Gmail or DM us on any website that we are on. And yeah, we love we love interacting with fans. So yeah, come on through. Also, uh, tune into the we other got pod. that that movie the movie trailer thing we're gonna do right after we stop hitting record on this or hit stop on this. Yep. So tune into that and don't be confused.